Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? Welcome back to another fabulous, fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty Podcast. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Church, Too Tall Stuck Thompson. With me, as always, I had to throw another word in the beginning because we just keep saying fantastic. This is this is more than a fantastic show, folks, that you're getting, especially when Nate joins us. Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston joining us once again today. Really appreciate you being here, man. Uh, how, Thank you for having me, Charlie. How was your weekend and your, and your mother's mom's day? It was a good weekend. I went to Chattanooga to see the wife's moms so we went and did that and played they with, have moms too yeah with all of the the children that are down there there's a lot of kids down there the corn all of the children that were down there we went rock climbing one day which i was really hurting i had to take a muscle relaxer that night i was uh. hurting so bad and yesterday we played can jam like all day and i'll tell you what i'm really sore and you- uh the kids the kids can just go all day and i'm I'm feeling it. I'm going to have to go to acupuncture this week just to try and play with the kids next weekend. So sounding a lot older than you are. Yeah. (laughs) You also don't have kids of your own. No. But happy Mother's Day, belated Mother's Day to all the wonderful mothers out there because... Emily uh, says, don't you mean birthing person's day? Because Mother's Day is assigning... Yeah, I mean, that's mm, that's an issue. Shoot. Mm -hmm. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Already stepped in it just first couple minutes into the podcast. Already stepped in it. So I, I do want to give a, I, I will be politically incorrect. You want to why? Cause I can't. Yeah. And I'm going to give a special shout out to uh, my lady. She doesn't listen to the podcast anyway, but just that's good. She does. Uh, happy mother's day to Stephanie. She, I'll tell you what stepmothering is a very difficult role. That's, uh, you know, it's not talked about really much. Um, and also if you look at history, stepmothers are always portrayed as evil. they are like in disney movies and all kinds of stuff it's always the evil stepmother and then you see like stepfathers are portrayed as heroes because a lot of times fathers are you know the fathers abandon their kids and then another guy steps in and fills a role if you just look at look at that so um i don't think uh stepmoms or adopted moms and, and people like that who take on the motherly role that haven't had kids of their own get enough credit i so i'm gonna i will give that credit also point out the severe lack of cards that apply to stepmothers uh, because it's inequitable it's there's a large inequity in cards that apply to stepmothers especially in today's day and age when so many people have divorces there's a lot of stepmoms out there and i i go there and listen getting the getting the card that just says mom you're the best mom ever and this is mother's day like maybe that's not always maybe that's not always the wording that you want to use maybe we should get rid of holidays no holidays this is just getting too far. I agree with that. Okay. <laughs> now, but we had a good time. You went up to Illinois and did. did Illinois things, got taxed on things, I'm sure. That's the first time I've been to Illinois in a really long time. My mom did ask me to come up and bring my son on Saturday. The lady was off. Uh, her sister was graduating, and I made the, the three-hour drive to Illinois and then made the three-hour drive back uh, the same day because <laughs> I don't like to be there long. Yeah. I crossed in to Illinois, was there for a couple hours, and I got my ass right out of there. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be there for too long. I felt, it, I don't know if what the right word is, but like I crossed over the river. It was just like shame. <laughs> it just overcame me when I crossed in. I was like, what am I doing here? This feels like death. 
This whole place feels like Did you like give death. them any money while you were there? Did you uh, buy some gas or anything? Some super overpriced gas no, while you were there? No, actually. Didn't yeah. spend a dime I re- in I, Illinois. I had to buy gas last time I went to Illinois, and I felt terrible about it because I've been boycotting Illinois on gas for a long time, but I didn't time out my gas tank properly last time. You didn't. Had to get some gas that was 60 cents more expensive per gallon than, to get if some I, commie gas. than if I just would have driven down to... Uh, Paducah, Kentucky, and got oh. some gas down there. It would have been way better. But get old I, Kentucky. Get old Kentucky. When I got there, I, t- I told my family, I was like, you know what? I legitimately forgot. I've been away from Illinois so long. Southern Illinois. I'm talking like rural cornfield, Illinois. I was like, I forgot how many people don't live here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're driving down the highway, and it's just nothing. But There's nothing there. It's beautiful. Like, just green, beautiful trees and fields and stuff. And I'm just like... There's no traffic on the roads, mm-hmm. and I can't remember. Like we have two lane highways and stuff here, but there's always so many cars. I mean, yesterday, Friday, I went to go pick up our dog, who literally, without traffic, would take me three minutes to get there at doggy daycare. I don't know if you ever went to doggy daycare. I've never. No, I don't need to do. It. My well, dog's dead. Yeah. I know now. Thanks for I'm bringing that saying, up, though. I don't know if you ever yeah. did. It was past ten when she was alive. When she was alive. Yeah. Yeah. No, we didn't. Um. It, something that would take me three minutes with no traffic literally took me a half an hour just to get there because it's a line of cars. But anyway, that's not what we're talking about today. What we're talking about is good morning Liberty stuff, which is a place uh, we talk about life, Liberty and the pursuit of meaning. And obviously part of life is all the stuff that we do though. All, all the fun stuff we have. Nate's working on his pilot's license to go uh, <laughs> to get a plane because he goes to Chattanooga Nate and I don't hang out anymore outside of work because he's gone every weekend and I have a kid. And so I was sitting there with Lacey's family and talking about getting a plane and Lacey, we're just family dinner. This is mother's day dinner. Everyone's there. And I'm talking about getting the plane and Lacey is like, I'm not going to ride in the plane with Nate. I'm sorry. I'm just not going to do it. It's with never, she's like, it's never going to happen with you. And so in front of her whole family, everyone listening to us, I go, well, do you guys mind if I bring my next wife down here? <laughs> they all thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. So yeah. Everyone was laughing but her. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, to the actual things we're talking about today. So, the- But first, subscribe to the podcast. <laughs> if you like talking about life, if you like talking about life, subscribe to the podcast. Because you know what? We're anti-death here. We don't like death. Uh, we, we know it's a thing, but we're anti-death. So smash that subscribe button. And um, we'll we'll complain about liberty things the rest of the time. So this is one from Mr. Brad Palumbo, who's on vacation this week, meaning he might not hear us read this one. I saw he's he's out of he's out of the office this week. But this was a really good article. It came through the emails this morning from Fee. A new survey just proved critics of supercharge unemployment welfare right. A new critic. A new. Survey just proved critics of the supercharged unemployment welfare right now. I don't know if you know, but the jobs numbers came out last Friday and they were projecting like 983,000 jobs added as was the projection. And it ended up being somewhere over 200,000. So you're telling me projections wrong. It was a bad projection. Mm. And not only was it a bad projection, it also shows a really bad a really large growing problem that we have right now, which is that there are businesses that want to hire people because the economy is opening up, but people aren't going back to work. Mm. Why, why would they, when you can make as much or more money, not working. And I was talking to Charlie about this earlier. I 
I might be the I could say I'd be the same way if I was in that position. Like if I was working somewhere at a grocery store making eleven dollars an hour and I was coming home with a with a few hundred bucks a week, something like that, and now I don't have the job anymore and I'm getting this unemployment and it's more than what I was actually making. Why would I go back to work when they're asking me to come back to the grocery yeah. store? Other than principle. Now someone like you, you would probably work on a business idea or something. Yeah. You know, yeah, I would well. do that. Most people are Netflixing and chilling or whatever the kids are doing these days. Netflix, that's that's for old people. We're on to new stuff, oh, you know. Okay. No, I don't know. I think Netflix is still cool. I'm not sure. Yeah. Someone out there tell me whether or not Netflix is still cool. So from Brad here, he says, with COVID cases falling and states across the country reopening, the economy should be rebounding. But the latest jobs data show that the unemployment rate actually increased in April. Ticking up to 6.1%. Unemployment increased. Yeah. A new survey of small businesses helped shed some light on why the labor market is still stuck in a rut. The National Federation of Independent Businesses is the most prominent small business association in the U.S. And its new poll numbers reveal that small businesses have job openings but are desperately struggling to attract employees. A record-breaking 44% of small business owners reported having jobs they couldn't fill in April. That's a slight increase over the already record-breaking March figure at 42%, and far above the historical average of about 22% on this statistic. Even as roughly 16 million Americans remain on unemployment benefits, the NFIB reports that April is the third consecutive month with record-high reading of unfilled job openings among small businesses. You don't say. Mm. NFIB's chief economist said many small business owners who are trying to hire are finding themselves unsuccessful and are having to delay hiring or offer higher wages. Some owners are offering up show-up bonuses for workers who agree to take the job and actually show up for work. However, because here's another thing that's happening. You need to show that you applied for a job. And what's happening is you're applying for the jobs and they're not really checking all this stuff all that well. If you are receiving the job, you're... People just aren't showing up for the job, but they are showing that they are applying for jobs so they can keep getting the unemployment. Yeah. So, so they can meet the, the requirements. Yeah. So now they're offering show up bonuses for workers who agree to take the job and actually show up for work. However, most glaring is the fact that the ongoing federal supplementation of existing state level unemployment benefits is making welfare pay more than more than work for millions of unemployed workers. A minimal familiarity with Ecom 101 or even a basic understanding of incentives reveals that such a dysfunctional welfare system will discourage employment and hobble recovery. Economists from across the political spectrum have acknowledged this problem. Nonpartisan economic institutions like the CBO warned last year that the expansion of benefits would have this effect. Now, even former Obama administration official Larry Summers admitted the government has gone too far, acknowledging that if we give people more money for not working than they were getting when they were working, then they are going to stay on the sidelines. Oh, they, they're getting how, a living wage from How the about that? Larry Summers, I think, was the uh, Treasury Secretary, maybe, something like that, I believe. So, I mean, he knows a couple things from from what i remember uh to for the opposing view i brought in a little snippet here from a yahoo article they said democrats have defended the benefits by saying that the extra money is keeping many americans afloat and that evidence is slowing and that the evidence at slowing job growth is limited to a few anecdotes from unhappy business owners <laughs> many progressives have argued that businesses struggling Wait, to do you notice how they argue mm -hmm, mm -hmm. every time they're not showing any data or anything like that. It's just mm, anecdotes from unhappy business owners. Yeah. 
These are just a few stories we're hearing. It's not that the unemployment numbers actually just went up and that there's increasing numbers of businesses that can't fill the jobs. 44% of small businesses saying they can't fill their open jobs. These are just a few anecdotes from unhappy business owners. That's it. That's all it is. That's all this is. Many progressives have argued that businesses struggling to fill low-paying positions could raise their wages they're offering to bring in more workers. Remember how many times we've said that that is what was going on right now? There's no $15 an hour minimum wage, but if you pay people $14 an hour to stay home, then you're going to have to pay them more than that to actually go back to work. Mm -hmm. And that's what's actually happening right now. Beyond the political back and forth over unemployment benefits, experts in a variety of fields have offered explanations for slow job growth. There's some evidence, for example, there's some evidence, for example, these aren't just anecdotes from a few unhappy employment workers, <laughs> from a few <laughs> unhappy employees. There's evidence, for example, the fear of catching the virus is keeping potential workers from seeking jobs, especially among groups that have lower rates of vaccination, like young adults and people of color. Many parents may not be able to go back to work with schools and daycare centers still closed in parts of the country. It's also possible, some argue, that the experience of the pandemic has made Americans less willing to accept poor working conditions and low wages. As an Arizona lawmaker put it, his state does not have an employee's shortage. It has a workers willing to be exploited shortage. Mm. Okay. So, you take away their benefits, I guarantee that they'll find a way to get back to work. That's the thing. Like, it's, it's very easy to see what's going on here. If you can make the same amount of money by not working, then why would you go to work? Even if you are making only a little bit less than what you were making while you were working, mm -hmm. you might not go back to work. This, is, this has been a pretty clear example of life under a universal basic income, by the way. I'm telling you, if somebody paid me what I'm making right now to go play golf every day. Why would you work? Why would I work? <laughs> why would I do it? If I could... If I could podcast and golf every single day and I'd make the same amount of money, then that's that's what I would do. Yeah. That would be my job. This is exactly what would happen if we had a universal basic income, by the way. If you literally could make enough and people will misconstrue this or turn this around to sound like you're forcing people to, to you're exploiting them and forcing them to go to work. Call it whatever you want to. But if you are going to pay people everything they need to live on, magically and not have to work for it, then they're not going to go to work. And that's a real problem. Most, Be most won't go to work. Most won't go to work. Some of them might because they want to be a, an actual value to society mm -hmm. uh, by producing things that other people need and aiding in those transactions, creating value so you can actually receive money that you earned. Well, some people will do that, but a lot of people just clearly won't do that. And honestly, I don't know where I would come down on that. Like if you, well, I do things that I like doing. So doing the podcast, doing the trading class, stuff like that. If you offer me the same amount of money to not do those things, I would still just do those things because that's what I want to do every day. Right. So it's a little bit different. But if You've I were- You've landed your dream, dream. I already have the dream job right yeah. now. I don't need to do anything else. Yeah. So it's the idea that you would be forcing people by removing all of these- welfare systems this welfare system like unemployment being paid for not working well that would actually be exploiting workers what about the workers exploiting all the people who are working right now because the money comes from somewhere right they're exploiting everyone who is working at the moment they're exploiting future future generations yeah, they're exploiting their children and grandchildren one thing that's not being <laughs> talked about either is the the mental health effects this has because 
Um, I'm getting this from Peterson, but it's Nietzsche who said that if, if we had everything we wanted um, and all we had to do was worry about eating cake and, and busying ourselves with the further production of, of the human species, then we'd find a way to tear it all up and start over again because people need something to do. You know, like you, you have to have a reason to get out of bed in the morning. The, the, the amount of depression that's probably setting in some folks like that we are driven to solve problems as human beings, right? If there's no more problems to solve and everybody has everything taken care of them, then you start to question what's the purpose of you even being here and, and the mental health problems that this causes. If you don't have a reason to get out of bed in the morning and most people for that reason to get out of bed in the morning or at night or whatever it is, is a job. You have somewhere you're expected to be. And if you don't, if you're not there, then there's consequences. Otherwise you would just stay in bed. And a lot of people who are depressed, that's what they do. Um, now there are a lot of people who are depressed who, who go to work and stuff like that, that, that does happen. But this is the, the mental health side effects of something like this, where everything's taken care of you. I'll tell you what, Nate, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Now this is anecdotal as well, but have you ever known any kids who grew up and had everything handed to them turn out to be all stars? I don't. Or did they turn out to be uh, assholes? I don't know a lot of kids who grew up and had everything handed to them. Um, the couple I do know are mostly productive. I know a couple people that we went to school with that I would say had everything handed to them. Uh, that that still do put in the work all the time, but I'm not going to say they're not assholes. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the other side of this, you know, what they said. One of the reasons people aren't going back to work is because they're they're scared of catching the virus, and it's among groups that have lower rates of vaccination. What if you realize that if you wanted more people to get vaccinated, let's say you wanted more people in my age range to get vaccinated. I'm 33. I'm not vaccinated. And you wanted me to get vaccinated. What if I didn't have the choice to not work and still make the same amount of money? And I had to go to work to earn a living. And then I said, well, I'm a little bit scared of the virus, but I'm going to have to go to work to earn a living. And so then I said, well, I guess I'm going to get the the vaccine because I'm scared of the virus. So I'm going to go get the vaccine because there's what someone said in here. There's no one that's unvaccinated that like can't get the vaccine right now. If I want to get vaccinated, I could could be vaccinated this week. No problem. Mm -hmm. I could, I could go do that. The problem is there's no incentive. They're, they're constantly removing the incentives to go do it. So once again, they're working against people getting vaccinated by doing this, by saying, Oh, well, that's fine. You just stay at home. We'll pay you to stay at home. Indefinitely. No problem. I understand you're scared about the virus. You know, you're not vaccinated. You're scared about the virus. Oh, we'll just give you money to stay home. No problem. Yeah, we're paying you not to get vaccinated and stay home. <laughs> you were paying people to not get vaccinated. <laughs> but then you're like, why aren't people getting vaccinated? Yeah. Like, well, you're paying me not to. And, and, that's, then, and then they just don't understand. And they're like, we don't understand what's going on here. What Joe just said is another good point. You know, we mentioned that what they are doing is exploiting other workers. And if you, what Joe said is if you're scared of the virus because you think it's real, you think it's really dangerous, you think there's a really large chance of death, 
you're actually being really selfish because for you to continue living off of other people's money, you're saying that other people have to go to work and risk their lives every single day so you can take some of their money and you can live off of it while you don't actually have to go to work and ever take a risk. And you're fine with other people taking that risk and earning money and taking some of their money instead of you actually going out there and earning the money yourself. So... Stone Steve Cold Austin said, what's the unfunded liabilities chart looking like these days? And the answer is, mathematicians are trying to figure out how what the number is. We haven't gone that high before. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> but they don't know how to count that high. The last number I saw was still the same number I've been seeing for a long time, which was the $120 trillion on the unfunded liabilities. I've been seeing that same number for a long time. I would say it's probably quite a bit higher than that, especially projecting mm-hmm. out the decreased federal theft that the government is going to be receiving i almost said income but the decreased federal theft that they're going to be receiving that the unfunded liabilities are going to be flying off the chart probably 150 all right ladies and gentlemen i'm going to cut in here and tell you about our sponsor better help you've heard us talk about them before it's charlie's favorite app better help you can go to betterhelp.com or you can download the app better help is this great app that pairs you with a licensed therapist So it's therapy over your phone, all right? If you are having a tough time getting by right now, maybe you're dealing with anxiety, maybe you're just not as happy as you think you should be. Maybe you're not finding the meaning in life. You know, we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. Maybe you're not finding that meaning in your life that you think that you should be. If you're dealing with anxiety, with depression, with relationship problems, BetterHelp has got a licensed therapist for you. It's super simple. You just go to the website, betterhelp.com slash GML, and that's going to give you 10% off your first month, by the way. So you go to betterhelp.com slash GML. You make an account. They ask you some questions about yourself, some preferential questions, and they're going to pair you with a therapist that they think will work best for you. If you don't want that therapist, that's fine. You just pick another one. Okay, it's safe, it's secure, it's a way to actually talk to a therapist without having to go into the office much cheaper than going into the office, by the way. Listen, taking care of your brain, of your mental health is super important. I don't know if you know this, but your brain controls everything that you do. Okay, so maybe it would help you to be talking to someone about it. You can message through the app. You can do video call. You can do voice calls. All kinds of stuff with the BetterHelp app. So go get that app. Make sure you sign up through betterhelp.com slash GML to get that 10% off your first month. You tell them we said hey. So there's another article pertaining to the same conversation. I thought this is from Slate, so it's heavily... Slanted. I just love it. Yeah. <laughs> Republican governors are now cutting off unemployment benefits to force people back to work. Oh, evil people from Slate. First came Montana. Now comes South Carolina. That sounds like a song. <laughs> Republican governors have begun to pull their states out uh, out of federal unemployment programs created in a response to the coronavirus in a movement to appease business owners who spent weeks claiming... <laughs> They're claiming that the generous federal aid has created a shortage of workers willing to accept jobs during the continuing public health crisis. On Tuesday, Montana Governor Greg uh, Guinaforte announced that his state would replace the federally funded unemployment programs, which provide an extra $300 a week in benefits, with a one-time $1,200 bonus for people who chose to go back to work. Americans are supposed to be eligible for the enhanced jobless benefits until September, 
but the state will cut them off in June. And they do have the legal ability to do that, by the way. Yeah. What was the intended? Uh, you know, I, there's, we're seeing this everywhere. Uh, another quick Illinois story. When I went up there to Illinois, <clears throat> my sister-in-law went to the store to grab some cheese and stuff we had forgot for the burgers, came back to the park and told me that they stopped by Starbucks, but Starbucks actually had a sign up saying that they were closed because they have a shortage of workers. And the Kroger grocery store in Carbondale is also closed because they don't have enough workers. That's literally what the sign says. Wow. We have a shortage of workers. We can't open the store. And of course, you know, my brother and his, his family are for this. And my brother chimes in and goes, Oh, you know, well, a lot of people are getting a chance to go back to school. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Oh, great. Great. Glad. Glad they're getting that chance to go back to school during this time. They're afraid of the virus to go to work. Yeah. Yeah. Not college. No, there's no virus at the college. It's only at Kroger. Well, the college is on zoom now anyway, so that's fine. (laughs) Anyway. So I was just like, how can you see that your grocery store? One of them is closed down. Starbucks is closed down. So they can't find people to work them. And that's okay. That's fine. That's all part of the utopia. It's all okay. If you're destroying capitalism, that's fine. Yeah. What was intended to be short-term financial assistance for the vulnerable and displaced during the height of the pandemic has turned into a dangerous federal entitlement, incentivizing and paying workers to stay at home rather than encouraging them to return to the workplace. As far as the morality of all this goes, well, I, for one, would argue that it's a transparently callous move to prod a bunch of people back into work before the public health threat is over, especially in South Carolina, where the vaccination campaigns seems to be rather lackadaisical. Now, pay attention to the wording in this. They think it's a callous move to prod a bunch of people back into work. Now, when you talk about prodding people back into work, a prod would be something you would use, say, to get cattle to go up onto a cattle car or something mm-hmm. like that, or go, in, go into a trailer to try and move your stock. <clears throat> to force them to, in a certain... To, to force your animals into the, way, the places that you want them to go. And so that's the idea that they're trying to create here, is that people are being prodded back into work. Yeah. And then using scientific <laughs> words like lackadaisical. As for the idea that UI is actually fueling labor shortages, it's possible, which I, uh, universal income, I believe is what he is, is what he is. Unemployment insurance. That's unemployment insurance. Uh, he or she, I don't know who wrote the article, uh, or they, I don't know. It's possible, but it's also clearly not the only factor. It's true that many, many businesses, particularly in the uh, hospitality industry are complaining that they can't find enough to, uh, staff to hire as they try to reopen at the moment. That may be the case in some instances, and some businesses have discovered that they can quickly fill their openings by, you know, raising their wages. Magic, right? <laughs> so That's what this person put in the article. Magic, right? But it's also possible that many workers just don't want to risk catching COVID while working in a cramped kitchen or have kids at home they need to take care of. If those are bigger factors, you'd expect any shortages to ease up as vaccinations roll along or school districts reopen. And even if unemployment benefits are making hiring marginally harder, politicians should be weighing that against people's sense of safety. It's all about safety, folks. Mm -hmm. But as they largely have throughout the pandemic, some GOP governors are now very clearly putting health concerns aside to appease the business community. What happens if all the businesses just close? (laughs) 
then where are you going to get your your vegan dish if you can't go to walk and roll yeah noodles and company or whatever i would say that 2020 was a great example of people putting health concerns aside to appease the business community that's definitely what happened we definitely put health concerns aside to make businesses happy Mm -hmm. yeah Montana, at least, seems to be going with the with a carrot and stick method to nudge people back to work. I fear a lot of conservative officials may prefer the South Carolina approach and just whip out a stick. So they then bring in the carrot and stick method. Now, carrot and stick method would go back to, say, you want your horse to go somewhere. You dangle a carrot out in front of them to give them, lead them towards something, or you could also hit them with a stick to get them to go towards the thing. So the carrot idea would be you give people a nice incentive to go towards something. So that would be paying someone $1,200 to go back to work. Or the stick method would be you're just going to beat them until they do what you want them to do. So they're saying that... They're a slave. Yeah, they're saying that South Carolina is just beating people with a stick so they'll go back to work. Now, what we've already talked about... Yeah, by the way, Joe mentioned the carrot in front of the horse is something that they will never reach. It's always just right out in front of them, just right out there. You'll never actually get it. But I'm trying to wrap my mind around the idea that trying to, okay, remember the money that people are getting paid through the unemployment insurance is money that is taken from other people who are working, whether it comes through a lot of it from businesses, whether it comes from a, (laughs) from a corporation whether it comes from people's payroll taxes, whatever it is, or whether it gets printed and then it's still going to come from other people eventually down the road. So it's money taken from other people against their will. And so saying that you are not going to forcefully take money from one person and give it to another who doesn't want to do what the other person is doing so they can make money to give to you while you're not doing that thing, saying that you're going to take that away from them is the same thing as beating them with a stick to try and get them to do what you want them to do. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to wrap my mind around it. Okay. Just trying to make sure this all makes sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. Okay. It doesn't make sense. There's no way to talk yourself <laughs> into it. Yeah. You know, we were, we were kind of having this conversation because I'm, I, you know, right after this, I, I have a call um, with my accountant about taxes. And I was telling Stephanie this weekend, I'm just so frustrated, you know, and, and in large part because we're, you know, we're trying to be financially um, conscious. We're, we're building a house and then we're also getting married. And so we were talking about different ideas for wedding. We don't want to have a huge wedding, but we were like, what if we do this little thing. And then you start to put all the things together. And you're like, Oh my God, this is just getting so expensive. And like, Oh, I wish we had the money. And then I'm going to pay like five times the amount of money we were looking at to the, to the government. Yeah. Just, I don't have a choice. And I was like, I can't tell you, I can't help. Like, I wish I could help you understand the amount of anxiety that overcomes me when I feel trapped. Like I feel like I don't have a choice. I'm about to stroke a check that is an ungodly amount of money that I would love to hire somebody else. I would love to, to, to do all kinds of things with. And it's like, you literally can't because you know, it's got to go for some, something else, it's, which is mainly wasted. Like I have no problem helping people out. I, it's not like I'm mad that my government, that my money's being taken from me and going to people who legitimately can't work or something like that. It's not it. 
I'm mad that my money is going to go into the coffers and like 80% of it's just going to be set on fire. And then 20% is going to go into the, or 10% is going to go into the pockets of the politicians. And then the other 10% may go towards a, a, a rock in the asphalt that gets dropped from one truck. <laughs> it's like, and I don't, when you said a rock, I thought you were going to say E-Rock. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. That's where it's yeah, going. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and it's just so infuriating to me that if if I, because if I don't comply, then the answer is death. Mm-hmm. Do this or we'll kill you. Yes. That's the thing. Like you have to pay us this much money for all of these magical benefits. That you're never going to see. That I'm never going to see. I, d- I didn't get any stimmy money. I didn't get any of that shit. I did get the PVP loan, which was nice. <laughs> but but that's because I started a business. But at the same time, I'm just like, it's so unbelievably infuriating. So infuriating. And there's literally almost nothing you can do about it. Yeah. It's besides work every day on trying to make this place a better place all you can do is work so much that the amount of money that they are stealing from you doesn't affect you whatsoever that's that's your only that's really your only option is to overcome it right now and and do things like what we're doing right now which is to try and convince the populace that this is not the direction that we need to go in Mm -hmm. and so we're doing that part of the thing and trying to fix that and also the other part which is to make so much money that the tax amount doesn't matter yeah, you know the thing. You know the thing. That's All what right. we're doing, the thing. All right, let's squeeze this last one in here. We've got a little bit before Charlie's taxation phone call coming up here. From Reason.com, in the name of equity, California will discourage students who are gifted at math. Mm. Mm. This is this all one's very equality, infuriating. Folks. And for all of our teachers out there listening and who are listening right now, you, I hope that you are as disgusted by this as I am. California's Department of Education is working on a new framework for K-12 mathematics that discourages gifted students from enrolling in accelerated classes that study advanced concepts like calculus. I guess I've, this makes me more privileged because I was in, I was part you were of, in the advanced. Math. I was yeah. I was in the I was in the elite group. That's why there's so much inequity that's, between you and other people. That's that's why I was in this elite group. There were six of us in our school, and oh man, all of them white. <laughs> the tr- all of them privileged old uh, nips mccoy here who's part of the discord he was he was in the class with me the draft of the framework is hundreds of pages long and covers a wide range of topics but its overriding concern is inequity mm. the department is worried that too many students are sorted into different math tracks based on their natural abilities <laughs> based on their natural abilities mm-hmm. Now, keep in mind, this is not a conversation about how people are being held out of these classes. Like they have these advanced classes for people and they're blocking minorities from joining the classes. And so it's creating inequities. And this is part of the problem. No, then you could easily just say, hey, if there are people who qualify for this class, don't block them because they're black. Like, don't do that. We just won't do that anymore. Instead, what they're saying is because it turns out that statistically not as many minorities are getting into these classes, we need to make sure that all of the other kids don't get in them either, which is insane and disgusting. The department's worried that the students, I'll read this again, are sorted into different math tracks based on their natural abilities, which leads some to take calculus by their senior year of high school, while others don't make it past algebra. And so you got to stop the kids from taking calculus. Gotta, That's the problem. 
That's the problem. Oh my god, I gotta throw something. <laughs> the department's solution is to prohibit any sorting until high school, keeping gifted kids in the same classrooms as their less mathematically inclined peers until at least grade nine. The inequity, this is a quote, the inequity of mathematics tracking in California can be undone through the coordinated approach in grades 6 through 12, reads the January 2021 draft of the framework. In summary, middle school students are best served in heterogeneous classes. Mm. In fact, the framework concludes that calculus is overrated, even for gifted students. Quote, the push to calculus in grade 12 itself is misguided, says the framework. As evidence for this claim, the framework cites the fact that many students who take calculus in, in high school end up having to retake it in college anyway. So you might as well not teach them these might things. Might as well not learn when you you're know. I had young. to retake English in college too, so I don't know yeah. why we had to even go over that. No, nope. I ended up had I had band in college. I don't know why we did any kind of band band stuff in high school. Mm -hmm. There was no reason it was better for me to be better prepared for college. These are the people that are teaching your freaking kids, people. Okay. This is what they do. They're molding your freaking kids' brains, and they're worried about them getting too far before college. <sighs> okay. No, you can't figure out the calculation for Mars. <laughs> Not until you get to college, kid. No, you got to do that in college. The framework's overriding perspective is that teaching the tough stuff is college's problem. The K-12 through system should concern itself with making every kid fall in love with math. <laughs> <laughs> Broadly speaking, this entails making math as easy and as unmath-like as possible. <laughs> math is really about language and culture and social justice, and no one is naturally better at it than anyone else, according to the framework. What? Read that again. Math, math is really about language and culture and social justice, and no one is naturally better at it than anyone else, according to the framework. That's, uh, that's actually just not true, yeah, that's, by the way. That's not it. Quote, but, all students deserve... Pat, what were you going to say? Go ahead. All students deserve powerful mathematics. We reject ideas of natural gifts and talents. <laughs> Next up, basketball. There's got to be something to throw. <laughs> basketball, baseball. It's unfair. <laughs> unfair, all these naturally gifted people with their brilliant minds. You can't have a varsity and a junior varsity no, team. No. You can't have that. You can't have the starting team and then the, the people on the bench. These people that are going to... <laughs> To mathlete competitions and stuff. Olympiads. Yeah. Can't have those people. Quote. The They're making everyone else feel bad. Quote. The belief that I treat everyone the same is insufficient. Active, active efforts in mathematics teaching are required in order to counter the cultural forces that have led and continue to perpetuate current inequities. I think attack. I'm getting dumber. I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm getting this dumber reading, reading this. Yeah. This well, is... I'm glad you have the hard stop today because that means we can't dive super deep into it because I'm getting short of breath, honestly. <laughs> the entire second chapter of the framework is about connecting math to social justice concepts like bias and racism. That's, uh, that, that's what my math was missing. Yeah. That's why I didn't. That's why I don't work for SpaceX is because they didn't cover social justice and in, in inequities. That's right. In math. Mm hmm. That's why teachers can support discussions that center mathematical reasoning rather than issues of status and bias by intentionally defining what it means to do and learn mathematics together. And what here's what math is about. Math is about what it means to do math. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure we fall in love with it in ways that include and highlight languages, identities and practices of historically marginalized communities. <sighs> 
Teachers should also think creatively about what math even entails. Quote, to encourage truly equitable and engaging mathematics classrooms, we need to broaden perceptions of mathematics beyond methods and answers so that students come to view mathematics as a connected, multi-dimensional subject that is about sense-making and reasoning to which they can contribute and belong. Just a bunch of garbage. I know. <laughs> it's like the teacher writes two plus two on the chalkboard or, well, whatever, on Zoom now. Like, can anybody tell me what this is? And somebody answers. Um, she's like, ah, Jimmy, what's the answer? And Jimmy pipes in. He's like, ah, three and a half. And th she has to be like, it could be. Yeah. I care about sure. your, I care about your feelings. Sure. Do you feel like it equals 3.5? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, okay. it's fine that, do you guys realize how important mathematics is? It's very important. Literally runs everything. It's why we know how planes can fly. So if you care about planes staying in the air, we better have some damn good mathematicians that are part of Boeing and the other companies that are figuring out how to design the planes so that they stay in the air. Or there will be some. They just won't be coming from these schools. They'll be coming from the other schools that weren't idiots. Okay. This approach, this is continuing from reason. This approach is very like bad. Like all the safety things, like e literally everything Every that you could talk dude, about. Everything, the way that these screens are made, it's not even about making the screens. It's about the size of the screens. How do you measure what size the screens need to be? How do you create the things that are holding these cameras right here and all these wires that are going all over the place? There's math that when you go into geometry, geometry is very important. I did construction for for several years. Trigonometry. I, I didn't do any. I didn't do any classes on construction, but guess what? I got 102 in geometry and that's why i was really good at putting up drywall and building stuff i never was taught how to do any of that crap i was just really good i was doing freaking math equations on the wall to cut this piece perfectly and i felt good about it i don't know yeah. if anyone else really cared but it doesn't matter hanging drywall whoever's mudding it's going to make it look good so that that doesn't really matter <laughs> but uh, you just okay. carry whatever you want contrary to what this guidance seems to suggest math is not an end-all and be-all it's certainly not something that all kids are equally capable of learning and enjoying so well, okay so that part's true yeah this is back and on reason talking okay by the way mm -hmm. if you're not good at math that's fine because although the world relies heavily on math not everyone has to be good at it. There are other things that you can do to provide value to society. It's okay if your kid is not good at math. That's fine. Hopefully they they are super artistic or something else. And so they, they finished that saying students who like math should have the opportunity to move on as rapidly as possible. Now, this goes back down to the ideology. We don't have to read the rest of the article. You guys get the idea. You know the thing on this. This goes down to the ideology. I'm not going to, we're not, I'm not saying communism, socialism, it's collectivism. The collective ideologyism that is going on here is that when there are inequities, they must be destroyed at all costs. There is an inequity. And since you can't force someone to do calculus, you can't force them to do advanced algebra, you can't force someone's brain to be able to understand that. And some people can, well, there's an inequity. So what do you do when you're someone who's only concerned about whether or not there are inequities? You destroy the people that are naturally really good at those things because now there's no more inequity. 
Now everyone is equal, even if it means taking down the people who are really good at things. If you have to destroy people who are advanced, who are really good at math or who are really good at business or who are really good at anything, then you destroyed those people to make sure that there are no more inequalities in that specific category that you're talking about. This is why this ideology is so dangerous, because it doesn't always mean that everyone gets lifted up. Sometimes it means a lot of people are pushed down. Actually, a lot of times it means a lot of people are pushed down. Actually, is, every time it means is, this, this whole people thing, are torn down, whether it's income or it's your math abilities or it's your business. All they do is they average down. You have some stuff that sticks up above. They take a big old trowel and they wipe over everyone and they, they flatten out the whole area to make sure it's all equal. And they're like, OK, good. This now everyone's all equal. This is good. This is what we wanted was equality. Because when you talk about you talk to people about how much better off we are right now than we were 50 years ago, the responses that you get are, well, look how much more inequality we have than 50 years ago. They don't care about whether or not people are actually better off. They care about how much better off some people are than others. That is what they get upset about. And so their goal is to get rid of the people who are so much better off than all the other people. And that goes all the way, not just to business and Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. It goes all the way down to your freaking elementary school kids that they are teaching for free. Right? It's free. You don't have to pay for it, mm -hmm. I guess. It goes all the way down to them teaching your students how to do better. That if your student is, if your kid is better than other people, then they must knock your child down so that they are not creating some type of inequality. And that is how dangerous the ideology goes, all the way down to how you're teaching children to actually grow and have a better life. That's as far as we can go. It's 301 right now. You have to do oh, a phone call. So disgusting. Woo! We had an article also, Nicole, I was going to tell you, you sent over an article and uh, posed some good questions uh, with the, uh, the OSHA thing. We're going to talk about that. It's in, the, uh, it's in the stack for today, but we didn't get to it. So close us out, Charles. We probably got to get to more of this tomorrow, too, because yeah. yeah. we can't stop here. There's so many more things uh, we need to say about this. So if you enjoyed today's episode, you want to listen to tomorrow's, which means you need to hit that subscribe button. Uh, and then also leave us that rating and review on Apple Podcasts and share the show with some friends and some folks. If you guys do all those things, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning. Liberty. Liberty.